Well, hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Mom City Podcast. My name is Nick, and thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this episode's a great one. It's our interview with Jason Weber from At The Risers. Now, Jason's not only a super talented bike builder, but he's also a family man, and he grew up listening to punk rock and skateboarding, so we had a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, I hope you guys dig this one. It was a really fun one to put together. Uh, a little warning going into this, the audio quality is not perfect. We ended up doing this one over the phone, and uh, I tried out some new stuff with recording that eh, I, I don't think worked out too well. But it's still a great conversation, and I think it's worth it. So if the sound bothers you, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and I have a few solutions. One thing you could do is listen to this episode through crappy speakers, or uh, if you're listening to it in a car, you could try rolling down the window. Or if you're listening to it in your phone, just go ahead and unplug the headphones, uh, put it on speakerphone, you know, preferably like on public transportation or, or in close quarters with, with someone else. Those are my solutions. Other than that, here it is. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Jason, for your time. And thank you, Billy, so much for coming through again on this one. Uh, I won't say anything else. It's a fun interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is, episode 19. Thank you so much for listening. So how does this... Um, can you hear... Guys, can you hear me okay through my phone? I'm always like... I think my phone's broken or something. I, I can hear you just fine. Nick, can you hear him? Yeah, it's, it's a little quiet, but it's... It, okay. And then, um, like, uh, cussing? Am I okay to cuss, or is Oh, that absolutely. Weird? Fuck yeah. I'm not, like, really, like, a, a fucking sailor, but, like, <laughs> I will emphasize with a couple F-bombs every once in a while. It's just how I talk, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's the internet. It's, it's whatever. Okay. Yeah, so, um... F- is there like a, like before we I guess like really get into it? Is there like any topics like you would want to like really touch on? Like, are there questions that you get asked like a million times over that you really don't want to discuss? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I do get asked a bunch of questions all the time, but sometimes it kind of helps like kind of provoke a different answer, not a different answer, but like, I mean, I don't know. I'm Sure. Ask me whatever. I don't really. I'm not really that particular. It's, there's no, there's no like off-topic kind of stuff. Like, okay, we can't talk about this. Like, you know, we, I don't want to talk about, you know, the new Harley Davidson that just came out the other day. Oh yeah, the death of the diner. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, because I everything that was like made after the '70s, I don't really care about right. Harley. So, and plus, my friend, my friend. uh Brad was kind of one of the guys on the designing committee of that bike, so I was like, I'm not going to badmouth it. Like, it's just not my flavor. Right. But yeah, I, I don't really care, dude. I'm just kind of for uh, just rambling on about cool. whatever topics. Do you guys have, like, do you guys have, like, some questions or something, or is it just kind of, like, off the top of your head kind of shit? Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Like, I, I had a rough idea of a few things that I want to talk about, definitely. Um, like, I, I actually wanted to talk about like back in the the day where you and Billy like knew each other, because so I think that's that's interesting and it helps tell the story of how you got from there to where you are now. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, I, I I shoot for just like a conversation. It's not really like a strict interview. I just want to get a, a feel for who you are and what's important to you, so like your fans can have like a a better understanding of the the whole package. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like I always I always like to touch on like. Like for instance, so we we recently interviewed um, Roger Moret from Agnostic Front, 
and the Rumblers Car Club, and uh, you know, I was more interested in like a real famous guy. Yeah, he actually um, he he lives kind of near me, so like I had just like walked up to him at a car show one day and was like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast?" <laughs> And he was like, sure, do you want to just come over to my house and I'll show you my entire Misfits record collection? <laughs> oh, man. It was insane. It, like, dude, we were, like, digging through, like, every record you've ever, like, any punk rock record you've ever, like, seen in a magazine, he has. Like, every copy. Yeah, every every variant, every minor thread, every, every oh, man. Yeah. Hey, you want to see this first pressing of Bad Brains? It's worth, like, five grand. <laughs> Yeah. At one point, he's like, "Hey, do you want to see the uh, the reels for uh, United Blood? Like, what? Like the original like masters of that? It was insane. I did boggle mind sometimes how people acquire some of this shit that they have. Seriously, that's that's what was like blowing our mind. It's like historical stuff, you know, like just everything. I don't know. I gotta I gotta stockpile of bullshit that I have, but even that sometimes it just pales in comparison to some of the stuff like. I've got friends that have, I just know people that have like crate. Well, at this point in my life, it's mostly motorcycle shit because it's kind of been a huge part of my life for like the last decade. So that's mostly what I've been surrounding myself with. So, of course, that's kind of the people I'm going to be around. But, you know, right. kind of <laughs> No, that's cool. That sounds good. Cool. I guess the f- first question like I would have, I guess, would be growing up in like the Fullerton, oh, Anaheim people. area. Kind of cut out a little bit, but um, growing up in the Fullerton, Anaheim area, um, yeah, like a heavy skateboard influence, like BMX, punk rock. Um, how do you feel like that shaped how you started building bikes? Um, I, I don't know, like the specific answer to that, but I've always thought like it, all those things kind of go hand in hand. You know, it's always like the element of being that's kind of different, you know, like, or just not part of the norm. And, uh, you know, skateboarding and BMX are both kind of like, just not like main. Well, I guess nowadays it's a little different, but like when we were younger, they weren't necessarily the mainstream sport or the mainstream, uh, just culture kind of thing. And, uh, but it was obviously more of a subculture. And, you know, once I got into motorcycles, I kind of realized how that was, and still is definitely a sort of like a subculture of sorts. And, you know, as I've kind of gotten a little bit older and so I'm not so involved in the skateboarding scene, uh, you know, it, I've kind of found a little bit of a home in the motorcycle scene. It's kind of like where like, skateboarders can go to retire and still feel like they're doing something, uh, uh, you know, kind of anti whatever, you know, even though it's, it's all becoming totally cool and popular, but, you know, I don't let that kind of stuff affect me and my world. You know, I see so many people complain about, oh, these fucking hipsters and doing this and doing it. It's like, who cares? Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. affect you. Like, I, it definitely doesn't affect me. Every day I've got, I've got my bikes. I've got my own life. You know what I mean? I don't really care too much what, like, people that really have zero uh, connection with me do with their lives. So, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird, I don't know. It's weird, you know. It's, it's just your own little thing, I guess, and and it just the transition seemed pretty effortlessly. So, yeah. 
I, yeah, we we talk about that um, quite a bit. How uh, there, you know, we're we're into cars a lot, like early '60s stuff, and uh, we meet a lot of people that like either came from skateboarding or like punk rock, and somehow found their way into into that hobby. And it's it's like almost funny, like how how many people you run across that you have things in common with that you did when you were a kid, you know, and now you, you've kind of we've all kind of moved on to other things. You know, there's something, it's a little bit more of like, like I said, it's kind of like a grown-up step, you know, in that direction, but it still, like, has that youthful um, kind of feel to it. So you still kind of feel like, oh, I'm doing kind of shit I did when I was a kid. And so, like, none of us were building choppers or working on, well, I mean, some were, but, you know, like, working on cars when we were little kids, but you kind of, you still, it keeps you young. It's been like kind of like an, an element of, I don't know, like a fountain of youth, you know. It, it gives you some sort of purpose, you know. I mean, like, Obviously, I've got plenty of purpose. I've got a wife and three kids, so you know I definitely already have a driving factor in my life. But this is just kind of on a personal level, like okay, I have, I still have a thing that's mine, you know? Yeah, like a creative outlet. Yeah, you know, and it just so happens to be operations. <laughs> you know, it was cars for a while, and I just kind of realized how much space cars take up and how long it takes to like accomplish anything on the car. And it's like, man, a motorcycle you could put on a table and you could attack it from all sides and you're not laying on your back. And I don't know. It's kind of where, where the motorcycle stuff came in. It just, just, it just logically seemed easier and took up less space. So, <laughs> so all my friends that were in the cars were kind of like starting to fade out of it. And I just need something bright and shiny to, pop up and you know and just happen to be like motorcycles just see people see a couple dudes locally on choppers like oh what's that and you learn what it is you know i was learning about motorcycles long before i even had one so you know i was a fan of it and just one day i kind of pulled the trigger so so you were like pretty um pretty heavily involved with like born free since like the inception of it like how did that come about and did you ever think like you'd be like an invited builder for that and What's that been like? Um, man, it's just, it, it really was just a little show, you know? Um, at the time, there wasn't really a whole lot going on down here. Um, and since I'm friends with, I know those guys, you know, we all live in this little circle here in Orange County. So it's like, I knew, I've known all the involved players since way before the inception of the show. So, you know, becoming an invited builder, it's, I never really, I was there for the very first time they did the actual invited builder thing. And, mm-hmm. and really, and even from the first time, I think it was kind of just loosely organized. I, I just happened to call Mike and be like, hey, dude, uh, I've got this knucklehead project. I want to build it for the show. And uh, I hear you guys are trying to, like, showcase some dudes. So uh, I kind of want to do it. And he's like, okay. And then from there on out, it's just been kind of natural, you know. It, it's, it's a pretty gnarly thing to do. I think a lot of people, and I don't even really build insane bikes like on the level that some of these guys do, you know, but just even a moderately built bike is still pretty time consuming. And then the second you put like a like a completion date on it, it fucks you up mentally. At least for me, that's how it is for me. I'm like, you know, if I was just doing it on my own, I could probably bang it out real quick. But no, you just, you start thinking like, okay, I can slack and you put certain stuff off that you probably shouldn't. And, man, it's every single time it's just a race down to the wire. It's like, I, one of the things I don't think a lot of people understand is like most of those bikes that are built for the show, most of them 
are started for the very first time like that Friday before the show. It's it's and it's, it's so it's not. I know it's not just me. It's most of the guys. So it's kind of a mind fuck being a part of the whole thing. But you know, it's definitely neat to have um, that show. Something as as big as that show has become to be a platform for just regular dudes like me. You know, and uh, you know, there's some guys that are taking it and running with it, trying to do big things, and there's people like me that are kind of like dialing it back a little bit, you know, from where I was a few years ago. And I was kind of actively involved with the scene and, you know, and I just, I don't know, just kind of realizing how fun being a dad is. So it's definitely like slowed down my time in the garage, but, you know, I'll still go to every born free, you know, it's, it's, it's a, still a rad event to see friends, you know, but it's just, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just so much bigger. It's so much bigger than it was. It's, it's hard to imagine where it, what it came from to where it is now. So. Yeah, totally. And that, that show's got enormous. Yeah, I was uh, I was at the Harley factory uh, a couple years ago. We were kind of doing this little like behind the scenes tour thing, and they're like showing us all like uh, the archives and all the like little specialty rooms. And they've got in their office buildings, they've got like several rooms that are dedicated to uh, like a couple shows. They've got like a one meeting room or something that's called like the Daytona room. And they've got another one that's like the Sturgis room. And they had another room that was, that was called like the Born Free room. It's like, fuck, wow. that thing has already like ascended to the ranks of that kind of notoriety, you know? It's just pretty insane to even think about. And uh, it all started right here in my backyard. <laughs> it's still going, so... That's awesome, man. Do you think that a lot of the the craziness of the how big it's gotten is through like Instagram and all that? Man, I would have to imagine it is. It's, it, Instagram. I mean, all the social media things, but I think Instagram is the big one. I don't. I don't really mess with anything else but Instagram. But it just puts so many people in touch with so many more people, um, and 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 with ease too. You know. Like, like at this point, my, I always tell my wife, it's like, man, it's crazy to think that at this, like right now, like today, you could pick me up and drop me off in almost any country in the world. And I could probably have a link to somebody like to a couch I could sleep on for the night. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's crazy to even think that that's even like yeah. a possibility. You know, when I was a kid, like I never even knew anybody from another country. And now I'm going to other countries just to hang out with friends and look at motorcycles and do crazy shit like that. It's just made the world that much more uh, approachable. And so, you know, anytime you've got something cool, it's going to shine. And, you know, with a tool like Instagram, you know, there's no stopping it. (laughs) I had this crazy thing happen on Instagram the other day. I was walking out by the the pharmacy here, and there was this weird trailer shaped like a snail shell. It was all painted white, and it was like a bandit. So I took a picture of it. I said something snarky, and I hashtagged it, snail trailer. And goddamn it, if it wasn't the correct hashtag for the trailer, it turned out that like 10 days ago, the thing got stolen. Someone found their stolen uh, trailer because I was snarky and used a stupid hashtag. So like they, <laughs> they were putting pictures <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? Like the, the world is that small. It's definitely a tool, you know. It's, it's anything like 
with just the whole marketing aspect of it all, you know. Uh, you just think of, that's why you see a lot of print, like, print is dying. Because it's like, social media is where everybody's at. Everybody's got their face, their face is buried in their phone. It's like, you want to be effective, you want to be where the people's eyes are. And, like, people aren't, don't have their eyes up looking around, they're staring at their phone. So, it, it's definitely like a double-edged sword, you know. There's good, there's a ton of good that comes from it. And then there's like a ton of bad, you know, where people just sure. they disconnect from the real world that's around them. I know I definitely have been victim of it. You know, it comes and goes way for me. Like I'll have to check myself. Like, dude, you're staring at your phone too much. Like you have to like back off. And, and you know, I, I have to like physically like you know like reprimand myself. Like, no, don't pick up your phone. You got you know that phone's <laughs> in my pocket. And, I'm just like, does it just vibrate? Do I need to check it? You know, it's it's fucking crazy. I I know. You know, it was funny. Like we were at Moon Eyes, and I kept looking around, and all these people aren't like looking at cars; they're like looking at their phones, probably looking at pictures of cars and bikes, like instead of just looking at the ones in front of them, which is hilarious. Yeah, you know, you know, one thing I've kind of noticed a little bit is like usually when I'm having a good time, I don't. Don't pick my phone up. Totally. Or like, you know what I mean? And, and I, I, for a while, I was just you know, like, just natural instinct. You just kind of take photos. Like, oh, photo, photo, photo. Um, but now, pretty often, I catch myself like going doing something like, dang, I didn't take any photos of that. And uh, and like for a second, I'll be bummed like, oh man, I can't even post it on Instagram. But then it's like <laughs> I have to check myself again and be like, no, that's good. That means that you're living a little bit. Like fucking right. man. And so there's like a little bit of a battle going on in my head all the time with some of this stuff. And uh, maybe that makes me a coup, but I definitely, <laughs> it's just something I think about in my head for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Nick, what do you got, man? I know you, I've been kind of firing out more of the some questions here. Uh, yeah, well, I definitely want to talk about At The Risers. Um, do you want to, do you want to tell, you, tell us how you got started with that? Uh, sure. It was a definitely a story I've told before, but you know, it's something crazy. It's just, uh, you know, oh God, I don't even know how long ago it was. Maybe let's just say 2008, you no, know, 2009, maybe. I don't know. Or actually, this was the name came about before that. Uh, my friend Brandon Casquillo, who uh, is uh, Mullen's Chain Drive, and then Scott. Uh, T-Bone, everybody calls him T-Bone, Scott Jones, over at Noise Cycles. We were over at Brandon's house one day, and uh, Brandon was making me some little handlebars for my old uh, Triumph. And uh, remember, like, they're just these tiny little narrow T-bars, and they're so close together. I was like, um, you know, we were kind of joking, like, you know, those things your thumbs can touch. You know, they're so narrow. And uh, And I remember, like, Brandon, I think he said, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're like at the risers. And uh, we kind of, oh, yeah, at the risers. And we kind of joked. And Brian, and Brian was like, ATR, at the risers. And it was just kind of like, and it was just a joke. We just kind of like, oh, that's my ATR. That's our crew, at the risers. And then uh, and fast forward a little while longer, I think T-Bone had made a couple like ATR points covers. Like just because it was just me, T-Bone, and Brandon. Cause, uh-huh. And at the time, I think he was working for West Coast Chopper. They had access to a water jet. It pumped out a couple, a uh, couple of those things, and and that was like beyond that, that was it. Um, and then like fast forward a couple of years after that, 
um, you know, everybody at this time, like people had already had like blogs and stuff going on. You know, like mm-hmm. Max had his blog, obviously, like the Kingdom blog. <laughs> that was at least that was the one like most of us kind of modeled ours after, or wanted, you know, just kind of wanted to be on that vein of the blogosphere. And uh, and I remember I was just kind of like, oh, dude, like I need a name. And I just remember like, oh, dude, I'll just call it At the Risers, you know, because you know it sounded deep, you know, ooh, At the Risers, like all, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it worked. And then. After doing the blog, you know, my buddy Nick Simmons is like my best friend, but he's, you know, he he has his own like silkscreen business and thicker mm-hmm. and kind of that's what he does. And so he's like, dude, you should make some ATR shirts. And I was like, you know, I, I'm always like skeptical on doing anything as far as like taking progressive steps forward in life. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, but I'm like, oh. I don't know. No one's going to buy it. It's stupid. It's stupid. And blah, blah, blah. But finally, it's just like, dude, like, I make them. Let's just make them. It's, you're not going out on a limb. It's not going to cost you basically anything. And so, I just made shirts. And then, uh, you know, I think I drew the first logo. And, uh, and then that was it. We made some shirts and people are stoked. Kind of just, kind of just made it for, like, friends. And then it just kind of progressed from there. And, and you know, even to this day, it's still, it's still a small thing. It's, it's hardly, I, I would hardly even call it a company, you know, uh, at least in my head. It doesn't feel like a company. I know we definitely have been kind of like this past year, both Nick and I have kind of taken a little bit of a break because I think we both needed it. We've been pretty invested uh, in all of this for a while. So like, dude, you just need to kind of like just take a breather. You know, Nick's, Nick's kind of got his own thing going on that, uh, that he does. It's called like Fartco. Yeah, it's pretty rad. So it's just, he's just kind of focusing on doing his thing, and, and I'm just kind of focusing on being a dad and, like, enjoying my the youth of my kids because, you know, I had a, I kind of had a breaking point, like, a year or two ago where I kind of realized uh, that thing that your parents always say, you know, they're like, oh, watch out, your kids are going to grow up before you know it. And I was like, oh, shut up, Mom, shut up, Dad, like, that kind of shit. Then I blinked one day and realized like my kids were growing up just as quick, if not quicker than my parents ever said. And so I was like, oh, dude, I need to get out of the garage. And uh, and I could just kind of like close the garage door and I've just kind of been on a little bit of a hiatus, like, you know, taking it easy. Like the only time I come out in the garage, well, I'm out in the garage right now because it's the only place quiet. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just come out here for just little stuff, you know, I just taking, I definitely haven't been taking on any major, uh, customer stuff or anything like that. Just little stuff for me, maybe a little stuff for friends, but definitely, you know, just taking it easy you know, for the first time in a long time. Sorry, that was a really long winded answer. No, that was great, dude. That was awesome. But, you know, I, and I, I know as far as ATR, as it stay as it sits, you know, like we're just kind of chilling, and you know, maybe I'll come up with, maybe I'll draw something. Probably not. It'll probably be Nick because he's more ambitious with that stuff, and I'm just retarded. But you know, I'll probably just make something soon. Maybe for Christmas, we'll make a couple shirts. You know, it's it's not like a money maker for either of us. You know, per se, it just kind of feeds itself. It's just one of those things that you kind of you feel like. Hey, look! At, I'm a part of this. You know, it's just like my contribution to the world. Like, hey, look at it. Like, me and Nick, we make kind of goofy shirts. 
if you like them, here you go, you know, and it, it's just kind of a way of still feeling like a part of something, you know, that's actually grown to be exponentially bigger than I think most of us thought it would, you know, because I think that was the general appeal to it in the beginning was just kind of how, like, small it was and still kind of, like, not necessarily cool and uh, now it's cooler and there I am. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, who knew? So, like, what's the, like, the coolest country you've gotten to visit, like, due to this whole crazy chopper shit <laughs> that you got involved with? Well, uh, like, I will say the most unique at this point would probably be Malaysia. This is definitely mm-hmm. a country I never, ever would have thought I would go to for motorcycles or choppers or this counterculture kind of thing ever. And I went there last year and uh, it was super rad. And it's, it's actually super inspiring. Was that last year? Or the year that was last year. That was last year. Um, it's super inspiring to see like people in a country like, you know, cause like I've been to Japan, but you expect that cause you know, it's already huge there. Um, I went, well, I went to Brazil too. That was insane to see. Um, but still, I think Malaysia was probably the craziest just because it's in my mind. And, and, and this is probably going to sound really naive, but I keep thinking like, not necessarily like third world country, but you just don't think like Harley Davidson, especially like the chopper aspect of it, like kind of yeah. like, you know, just cut up stuff and just make it your own. Uh, I think we're spoiled being here in, in America. It's so easy for us, you know, you could go on any, you know, almost any swap meet. There's several swap meets all over the place. and Everything's so easily obtainable. Then you go to a place like Malaysia where it's almost impossible to have or do any of this stuff, like legally and lawfully. And there's still people that are just doing it. And it's like fucking inspiring. And, and like I said, like when I went there, there was a couple of rad shoppers, like, um, I met this dude, Faisal, who had like this bitchin' like generator shovel, and he's telling me how he got, he had to like, basically, it's kind of like that Johnny Cash song, like one part at a time, and he had like the motor, he had to, he had to like, window, or he had to like, uh, kind of like ship it through like the, through like Saudi Arabia in order to get it into, it did this crazy like lengths people go to to get cool shit down there because it's like you know, taxes and like all that stuff. It's, it, it's almost impossible to import it like legally. And uh, so it's like way more renegade for them, you know. Not, like <laughs> these guys, like, like that dude Fazel, he's got one bike or he's got I want to say he's got like three hearts. He's got like an old like kind of like stock pan head and uh, that shovel and I think they all have the same license plate. You know, that he just shares. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of cool. It's like, geez, that's fucking punk, man. You guys are killing it down here. And, and there's a, there's several other guys down there doing it too. And, you know, and there's guys that are just chopping up like, you know, like in America, when you see a dude like chop up like a moped, you know, I think a yeah. lot of us, you know, I'll admit I've done it before too. And I don't want to sound like an asshole, but you kind of get this like, oh, a chop like scooter, like real cool bro you know like <laughs> it, it, i know it's, it's fucking lame to admit but i know i've felt that before and i'll but i'll admit it like you go down there and you see these dudes like chopping up scooters and he's like fuck yeah dude you guys are killing it you know what i mean you get 
I at least it changed, dude, it really changed a lot for me. Just kind of like my outlook on things, you know, I, just how spoiled we are. You know, you see these dudes just killing it. It's like, all right, I'm not, I'm just going to stop complaining. I'm going to stop being a bitch and just like realize like, you know, there's other people that are doing it and just stop being so critical of things. You know, I, I've never, tried, I've never really been that critical. You know, even if something really like kind of bums me out, I don't really, you know, talk about it because I don't, I don't want to bum anybody out. You know, it's not like I want to like, uh, you know, make somebody sad or something, you know, but, but yeah, right. definitely kind of check me a little bit for sure. Right on. Like I've always admired like Japan, especially like, and I'm sure it's probably the same in Malaysia. Like they don't really have like a rule book like we do in America where we're like, Oh, it has to be this way. Like traditionally it has to be done this way or it's not right at all. And I see that a lot with cars that come out of Japan and, and, you know, other countries especially. And I feel like we kind of like set these, these boundaries for ourselves that we have to follow. And other people are like, no, I think this is how it should be. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a super good point. You know, um, you know, I think a lot of this stuff kind of originated in, in America, you know, so we kind of like, like, okay, this is choppers. And we kind of let it out into the world. And then all these pe other people with different, like, kind of viewpoints like okay let's take what they did and run with it and that's what you said like 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 a while ago like the japanese car culture and choppers like some like all this stuff wouldn't fly in america per se you know it's like oh these crazy derake bikes it's like that's not what you do you rake out a bike you know in america you don't derake it but it just creates this entirely new genre of chopper kind of you know it's like a japanese style chopper you look at it but there's a ton of bikes you look at it like yeah, that's a Japanese chopper. Even though it could be, it's almost like identical to an American one, but you could just, it's automatic, the influences of it. And, uh, no, I think it's rad. Same thing with cars, dude. There's like some insane car builders there, like, especially lowrider guys. They've got like a really gnarly lowrider culture there. And, dude, they just take it to the next level. <laughs> you know, to be honest, there's a lot of Americans that like, that are making a living of doing this and, uh, <laughs> step it up <laughs> right <laughs> crazy show circuit you know you just think about it like man like you know but at the same time dude, there's and i'm not even taking anything away from america or not even from anybody um the, the coolest thing is like some of these guys like here and there uh there's just guys building shit in their garages that are like 10 times better than stuff that comes out of these big flashy shops fabrication shops you know and uh you know, I think it's kind of going back to the born free thing. And, you know, there's a, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, or at least when I built the, the green bike a couple of years ago, uh, Jesse James was kind of, uh, I think he was scheduled to be an invited builder for it. And, uh, and I was kind of excited because, you know, like when I was younger, like I never really was into his bikes, but like I liked, I liked the fabrication sense of it. You know, it's like I can appreciate, like it's not necessarily my style but I understand what went into it and I can appreciate mm -hmm. that, you know? And so I was a fan kind of of, of it just because I'm a fan of anybody that's a craftsman and kind of does their own thing. And, uh, and so I remember when he was going to be a part of it, I was kind of like, psyched, like, dude, that's going to be pretty rad. Like, like little old me, like kind of sharing a stage with this dude who's kind of like a God of sorts, mm -hmm. you know, who a lot of people would definitely consider like the godfather of choppers or whatever people 
say on television shows or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then he ended up pulling out of the deal and kind of being, I'm not going to build, I'm not going to put my bikes up against, uh, uh, just piece together choppers from skateboarders or something like that. Oh man. And I remember being, he said like something like that. And I remember being kind of like, kind of being bummed, you know, cause I'm not like it was an attack at me per se, but just his general view of everybody. Um, but I remember kind of thinking to myself, like, dude, I wonder if he kind of got cold feet thinking like, cause this is like born free. It's a different world from the world that Jesse James came from. You know what I mean? But this is still kind of like the homegrown, like, do-it-yourself, like, dude-in-the-garage kind of uh, atmosphere still. And he's, like, main stage, television, Sturgis. Um, like, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's just like a different level. And for him to come to our level, you know, like, I, dude, I think he may, I, I mean, this is just speculation, but it doesn't seem too crazy to think that maybe he pulled out because there's a chance... He was gonna lose to some some regular dude in his garage with regular tools and basic knowledge, but has a good eye for a classic, traditionally styled chopper with kind of some unique unique lines that maybe uh, you know Jesse James has probably progressed way past, but like kind of like forgotten in the roots of all. You know, I think somebody like him is so concerned with like just overly fabricating, doing all this crazy stuff that. Sometimes, you know, people forget, like, and sometimes simple is better. And, uh, and so I, you know, I always kind of entertain the idea in my head, like, maybe, maybe he quit because he didn't want to lose to just some, some Joe Smo, like, nobody. Cause how, how, think about it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, that's like Floyd May- Mayweather almost, like, if he was to lose to that McGregor guy this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into boxing, I'm not into MMA really, but, you know, I understand how it goes and it's like that guy Floyd Mayweather kind of has a legacy and if he loses to a guy that's not a boxer regardless of the fact that he's 20 years younger or whatever the case it's like you know and the way I'm just like man you shouldn't have taken the fight you should just kind of pull back and who knows he might just smoke McGregor and I'm an idiot and whatever but it was definitely something that crossed my mind like dude like that would have sucked for his ego to be like, because right. and think about the people that are voting too. People, everybody's gonna fan out on Jesse James, but you know, and there's always gonna be that people like Jesse James have the fan base. It's built in. You know what I mean? He's gonna attract it, him coming to the show probably double the size of the show. You know, who knows? You know, hypothetically, um, but there is that slim chance that just some regular dude would have whooped his ass like. So, yeah, I get it. I get it why you pulled out. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree with you. Like, you know, I don't think his ego could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And then the guy is super talented, like like beyond anything I will ever know or even aspire to know. But it's just we're like on different wavelengths. So, you know, it's it's probably for the best. Because to be honest, if, if he would have came and been a part of the show – it may have opened up the show to a whole slew of those big time builders and and, and that yeah. sometimes that's kinda of way those things work and then the little guys like us will kinda of get phased out of the equation. Even though that show is rooted on you know, the garage builder, the like the do it yourself, like the one man army kind of dude. Not like my team of fabricators <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Right. So 
think it was probably for the best. Jesse James, if you're out there listening, please don't punch me. <laughs> right. <laughs> he uh, definitely probably would. No, I'm just kidding. Um, dude, there's a funny story that I remember about your brother, and I can't recall if you were there or not, but we had gone to this Halloween party, and I think it was in, like, Buena Park, and um, your brother, like, borrowed my class shirt and I had bought a pair of leather pants like because I was going to wear that as my costume so anyways I talked him into wearing that and then so I decided to go as like a cholo like bandana like teardrop like you know top button dicky shorts like pulled up socks Nike Cortez all that and so like I have no idea where this party's at so we go there and it's like straight in the hood <laughs> and some like and so like i'm like trying to be in character i'm like crip walking with the music and stuff like that and these dudes like that are like actual cholos come up to me and they're like where you where you claim bro and i was like i'm from fullerton like and they're like fuck tokers town man fuck tokers town yeah and so like your brother like whispers in my ear. He's like, dude, these guys aren't fucking around, man. <laughs> and yeah. so luckily, like he knew some of their friends or whatever and like saved me from getting an ass kicking. But I always thought that was funny because like I thought they were fucking with me like they were joking. Like they knew I was like a white dude and they were like literally not too stoked on my costume. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if I ever heard that story, but for some reason I do remember... And that was a long time ago, but I think I do remember uh, seeing a picture of Steve wearing that shirt or that whole kit. Yeah, like cut off sleeve, like Clash London Calling shirt. And I gave him a bondage belt and like leather pants. Was, yeah, was that big... I think that kind of changed his life uh, a little bit like that. <laughs> and I started dressing a little bit. Just, he was, I mean, this was a long time ago, but he was more like on the fresh uh, realm of the spectrum, not so much on the hesh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he wore like a little bit baggier clothes, and I think after he wore that, I think his clothes kind of got shrunk down a size, started wearing a little bit more black. After <laughs> that, but <laughs> dude, I think he changed his life. <laughs> I, I I think so. I think so. Like I th leather pants will do that to a man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's funny. Like for years, is. I'm not even trying to sound like emo or nothing, but uh, it was weird, like, kind of going back to the motorcycle thing with uh, the question earlier when you asked, like, why I started or whatever. And, uh, doing bikes is kind of the first thing I've ever done that I was kind of, like, successful, like, on my own, kind of, you know, and wasn't just, like, a shared thing. And God, speaking of my brother, I'm not even throwing him under the bus, but, like, for a long time, I was always kind of, oh, you're uh, you're Steve's brother, right? You know, I'm the big brother, you know? I think people supposed to know me, but I was so shy and lame that it was always like, oh, you're Steve's brother, right? Or, like, you're so-and-so's friend, right? Like, I was never kind of, like, uh, not, I don't want to say never had the spotlight, but I was just never kind of, like, a dude, you know, like, the, kind of the guy. And, uh, and it was... And I kind of, I kind of had this epiphany just the other day, really thinking about like, because uh, somebody was talking about, because somebody said something, like, oh, you're a Steve's brother, and I kind of realized like, 
dang, dude, I was Steve's brother for a really long time. And now people are like, oh, you're Jason. That's like, whoa, you can kind of know my name, know who I am. Even though it's for something that's fucking retarded, motorcycles. But uh, (laughs) it's kind of, it's like a weird feeling. And I think for a while, that's kind of what, I don't want to say that was a driving force. But it was definitely kind of something that was cool to be like, dude, like, I've got my own thing that I'm doing. And people know me for what I'm doing, not for who I know or who I'm, you know, uh, partnered with or, or, or who I'm, a, the group I'm a part of or whatever, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really form that together very well. But it was just like it's something that popped in my head the other day. And, it was, and you bringing up Steve, I just kind of thought about it because it was around that time. It was kind of around that time where I was like, just kind of like thinking in my head like dude like I don't really have too many friends I mean I've got friends but like I'm always just like friends of friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I thought I'd probably go kill myself or put my wrist right now <laughs> <laughs> sorry for that little tangent no it was good man like it's cool yeah the old days always fun times man bulletin so you mentioned like earlier you were like briefly into like building old cars. Like what what did you have? Like anything cool or <laughs> I just I had like an old fifty five Ford Fairlane and like air yes. Right up my alley. Yeah, and that's kinda like what got me into like even starting fabricating stuff was like that car, like I wanted to airbag it really bad. And uh, like I remember just calling places like, hey, how much do you cost to airbag this car? And I was like, yeah, it's like five grand. I was like, well, that's more than I paid for this car. Uh, I guess I'm not doing that. And then just with a little research, I realized like, I can buy a welder, buy an angle grinder, and chop saw, and buy like the pieces and do this myself for half the price. So I kind of did that. And then I realized like, okay, that actually wasn't terribly hard. And then so like, Hey, so and so, come over here. Let's bag your car. I bag that car. Like, hey, bye. Bring a Cadillac over here. Let's bag it. And so they just started airbagging all these cars. Like, you know, uh, you know, John's old Buick. Bag that. And, you know, just kind of doing stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and so that was kind of my car stuff. Is doing that. And like, I like, I, I I remember like the last kind of thing I started getting into. I got this twenty nine roadster project thing that. uh is right at the tail end of it, like, oh, I'm going to build this roadster, and then I just kind of got, like, this this little BSA project, this little chopper thing. I was like, man, like, the the car started seeming more daunting to me. Just because, you know, you could get, like, more of that, like, a instant gratification with the motorcycle. Like, dude, I could do something and, and actually see results in the day rather than working, like, a month to see, like, a speck of results on this car, you know, <laughs> at least at the pace I was going. So I still have the I still have the body sitting on the side of my house. It hasn't been touched in like twelve years, thirteen years. Um, I'm probably gonna get rid of that. I think that ship has sailed for me. I'm at this point in my life. Where I'm like, okay, I'll just buy a running roadster. Not that I can really yeah. afford it, but like I could probably sell a bike if I, you know, and make a lateral move. Totally. Yeah, I'm kind of at that same point. So I'm always thinking, like, okay, well, I want someone to put the family in, like, you know. Because I know that was kind of a thing with the motorcycles. That's kind of, it kind of checked me a little bit in recent years because I realized, like, how selfish I was being uh, with my bikes. I was, you know, for a while, I was just riding all the time with my friends. 
kind of forgetting that I have a wife and kids at home. It's always just like, all right, babe, I'm out of here. And thank God my wife was cool with it because she knew how much it meant to me. She knew how like, happy it made me to like actually have this in my life. And so, but after a while, I kind of realized like how selfish I was being. And like, this thing only seats one person, maybe two, but you know, I, I, I was like, dude, I need to get something. I need to stop being so selfish. I need to like do stuff that's more like family friendly and. And that's why, I don't know, like the last couple of years, I've been kind of going out trying to get like, now that the kids are all old enough, my youngest, Eric, he's two years old. He's just like two and a half now. So he's like old enough to where we can actually like go out and camp comfortably, you know. And, and kind of even in a remote area too. We don't have to be like in these like one of these glamping campgrounds, you know, where it's fully facilitated and everything, you know. Uh, so that's kind of the page I'm on right now doing that kind of stuff that's awesome yeah it's fun man i think uh i don't know just having kids and stuff it's really changed my life dramatically in the last few years not obviously my daughter's like almost nine she'll be nine on monday which is crazy to think but uh it was uh and it's, it's kind of really hit me hard the last few years it's kind of how like how cool it is having kids. Like, I think kids are still kind of this stigma. Like, you're like, ew, kids. Like, and I get it because yeah. I was there too before I had kids. You know, I just don't, I kind of wanted nothing to do with them. But now that I've got them, I realize, like, like did these things, like, these things, <laughs> my kids, <laughs> these things, <laughs> like they're toys. But it's like, they're, like, you get so much more out of them than, and I never had that of like motorcycles and stuff. It's just like a different, and it's just a different, a different thing, you know. Like I never, like I, I kind of always find myself kind of like I am now, like pushing all like, dude, you should think about having kids. Like I know kids aren't for everybody, but uh, it, it's just rad, you know. It kind of changes your whole perspective on life, like what's really important, and uh, you know, and shit. Even and they even inspire me. Like I've taken this little break to kind of focus on hanging out with them. So just hanging out with them has kind of inspired me to, like, want to do more with my life. To be like, dude, I want to leave some sort of, like, not like a legacy, like, you know, or even some financial legacy, because that probably won't happen either, because <laughs> I'm a hoarder and buy way too much shit. So they're going to, like, cool, thanks for the garage full of a trash dad, and I die. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just something to be, you know, I think I've said this before with, like, even getting in some of these magazines with the bike stuff is being a young skater, you know, who never became like a pro or nothing like that. Like, you know, I always wanted to be like in a magazine because that's kind of like the pinnacle. That's like, dude, you've made it. You're in a mag. Like, I got a picture in a thrasher or something like that. And that ship sailed for me long ago, and I accepted that. But then with the motorcycles, kind of getting the opportunity to be like on a cover of a major magazine, like in all these grocery stores, like going into a grocery store and there's me <laughs> on a motorcycle, like it's fucking insane. And, uh, and so it's like having that to show like my, my kids are like super stoked for me. Like I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to have like cool kids. Um, they always hang out in the garage with me. Like my daughter, Maggie, like, I mean, she's a little bit older, so she's totally got her own thing going on. But you know, when she was younger and like, 
and the boys now, they're until in, they just hang out in the garage, barefoot, stepping on metal shavings, like, <laughs> don't even care. <laughs> you know, they just like, they just kind of want to be a part of what I'm doing, and it, and it kind of amps me up, and kind of like, dude, I want to, like, do stuff with you guys, for you guys, and, you know, I can't wait till you guys are older, like, make you a chopper, let's, like, build you a car, let's, you know, it just, it just gives you a whole new, like, reason for wanting to do stuff, and for the first time, not just for yourself, like, from a selfish aspect, you know, it's like, wow, I actually want to do something for somebody else, like, you know, it sounds, it's a crazy statement, but to make, but I don't think, I think a lot of people don't realize just how selfish you can be, and kids definitely, like, uh, smack that reality into you, for sure, you know, when you're, (laughs) when you're wiping somebody's shit off their butt, or, you know what I mean, like, I told people, like, like, I'm constantly waking up in a pool of shit, piss, or puke, and for the first time in my life, it's not mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you, you kind of got to get used it's like It's a thing, you know, you got to get used to, but it kind of humbles you to the point where it's like, okay, like, I'm okay. I've probably changed more. I've changed thousands, thousands of diapers at this point in my life. And, uh, you know, me 15, 20 years ago, I would have been like, no fucking way. No way. Now, like, I don't even blink an eye. Like, give me that diaper. Oh, we don't have wipes? Fuck it. I'll just use my hand, and I'll wash my hands <laughs> off on the sink. Like, I just, you just don't care. Because <laughs> the important thing is just getting the shit off your kid's butt. In the... uh, I know this conversation kind of derailed pretty quick. <laughs> hey, that's what happens when you become a dad, I guess. Or at least you know. It happens for me. Maybe I'm the weirdo. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Nick, do you have anything else, man? Like, I I kind of used all of my questions. <laughs> yeah, we. I, I think we covered just about all the, the stuff I wanted to ask about. Um, do you have a, a next build plan or, or something exciting coming up like that? Um, I would say it's exciting for me. I don't know about for the world. <laughs> I, uh, my knuckle that I built for the, uh, well, just my knuckle that I had, that I built for the firstborn free invited builder thing, so going to three headlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I rode that for a while, broke the frame, kind of switched it up, rode that for a while, broke the motor, and it's been sitting in my garage for like three years, and I just haven't had time to get to it, um, in pieces, but I think, I don't know, sometime soon I'm gonna start, uh, gonna start redoing that. I'm just gonna kinda redo the whole bike. I'm not, I'm just gonna, you know, I was kinda, I was debating, oh, should I just kinda put it back together the way it was? Cause I still have most of the parts, but I've kinda mm-hmm. like, popped out some of the other parts. You know, once, once a bike comes apart, like, those pieces get eaten up pretty quickly, especially cause Harley's <laughs> are fairly interchangeable with most of this shit. So it's like, yeah. I'm gonna take this wheel, I'm gonna take this sprocket, I'm gonna take this gas tank, and, you know, like, really, the only thing that's existing from the original bike is, like, I've got the tank fender that Max painted for me, and uh, the motor and the frame, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Everything's just kind of scattered around. So I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to redo it, like, completely different, something pretty traditional, but but not for any real reason, you know. I'm just going to do it at my own pace, you know. I was thinking, like, oh, man, like, the way this is lining up, I'll probably be... I could probably time it and build it for Born Free. And I was like, wait, no, 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 no. Because I know what Born Free does to me mentally, and I just can't. 
I can't like work on that level, especially with my work. You know, I have a real job. You know, mm-hmm. and I have a family, and I just kind of just need to do it when I can do it. So I don't know. Hopefully, I'll have it done sometime next year. And you know, it's not going to be. I'm not building a spaceship. It's going to be a pretty traditionally based bike. Um, you know, I don't think I ever have ever built a spaceship. I don't. I'm just not physically capable of like the fabrication levels that are required to like go that nuts. You know, it's like I think my my style has been dictated by my talent. So I just kind of there's a realm I stick to, which is pretty easy. You know, traditional like 60s-ish style bikes are. You know, you can do them really simply. And they look just as cool as bikes that are done, like, insanely. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of that's kind of my next big move. You know, I think my green panhead, I think I'm going to have to try and sell that to uh, facilitate that knuckle build. Because I have to redo mm-hmm. everything on it. That's the a gorgeous little bike. motor. And I, I broke the frame jumping it in Arizona. At, uh, <laughs> at some love cycles, like, uh, camp out like, years ago. I broke the frame. And then I blew up the motor in Death Valley, like Jesus. trying to like pin it going uphill, like 105 degree, like day. <laughs> just, just got too hot and just like went pop. And, uh, but uh, we'll see. I'm, just, you know, I, a lot of my friends are kind of like, you, you never ride, you never do anything. I'm like, yeah, I know. But uh, it's like kind of like I tell people, and people tell me all the time, you know, it's the same thing. So, dude, this stuff will all be here when you want to come back. And uh, it's true, you know. I don't, I don't really get disheartened by the fact that I'm not riding every single day, or I'm out in the garage every single day. Because it's like I still have the stuff. I know I still have the tools. As long as I still have the tools and like the means to do it, like I'll be fine. I can sell everything and still kind of get away with it and figure it out. You know, I think that's that's one of the things I'm kind of battling too. Is like, dude, I could definitely get rid of a lot of my stuff and thin the herd. Like, I don't need. 30 motorcycles like i've only got one crop <laughs> I can only ride one at a time like you know if i get sick of that i'll change it up a little bit you know like so yeah. i don't know i think that's probably the plan is rebuild my knucklehead and then uh just kind of get rid of some of the stuff i don't really need but, yeah and build a rock crawler that's yeah. what i'm gonna do <laughs> yeah i'm gonna build like some gnarly rock crawler that's what i'm actually gonna do but I just have to mention the chopper thing so people don't forget about me. <laughs> nice. Awesome, man. Well, I, I think that's probably a pretty good place to end it. Thank you so much, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally made this work out. Yeah, well, no, thanks for having me. Uh, I love talking about myself. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much, Jason. It was it was really cool catching up, man, and reminiscing about the the old days and all that shit. Well, all right. Wow, you made it all the way to the end. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I know the audio was a little rough. Uh, fortunately, I think I sounded the worst on that. And, and Billy sounded great. Billy it was uh, was rocking his own microphone on his end. So thank you, Billy. You know, man, I was so disappointed when I heard the audio for this th- for the first time. I had I had actually thought like maybe I should call him up and see if we could redo it, but. That that <laughs> that wasn't going to happen for a number of reasons. You know, we had tried to do this thing probably four or five times. And as you heard in the interview, like one of those, even God himself was against it, us or herself, I suppose. And uh, like knocked down a tree in Billy's neighborhood, like the 
the day we were gonna record it so ultimately I'm glad we came up with something and uh it is what it is you know I I'm trying it, uh, all over life not just with the podcast but also with with cars with work with myself um uh, trying to to take things for for what they are and not stress out too much about making everything perfect because one I, I don't have the time and, and two I don't have the skills and three you know it 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 ultimately doesn't matter I mean if you made it this far into the the interview hopefully you found something worth listening to anyways there it is that's episode 19 episode 20 is the next one that's a big deal so I hope I can do something special either way <laughs> I'll see you guys here next time thank you so much for listening